Hello and welcome to the Pro Detailer Podcast. We are joined here with a special guest all the way from the United States of America. And in fact, he landed probably an hour and a half ago. And it is, in fact, a Sunday morning, very early. We're buried away in Hayes in London. Lovely, lovely place. If you hear gunshots in the background, you know, <laughs> don't <laughs> yes. worry about it. It's fine. Noise cancelling headphones are doing a good job. Uh, and we are joined here by Jay Schneider. Now, Jay, introduce yourself. Yeah, I'm Jay Schneider. I am the president and CEO of Lake Country Manufacturing and LC Power Tools. That's pretty cool. And you're over here for only a very brief fleeting visit, aren't you? I'm here in Europe for a week um, and looking forward to seeing our UK office mm -hmm. uh, for the first time um, later today, actually. I imagine Kelly is, is running around now dusting it. And it <laughs> I'm sure pretty. he is, yes. <laughs> I bet he's got an apron on as well. He's got one of those little pennies doing the feather dust. <laughs> You're just putting images in my head I don't need at this time of day. Images that, frankly, you already had. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, he sends me a lot. Um, so uh, I really want to talk to you because you've had a fascinating time. You were, um, I'm just giving you an idea. You're a young man, so you were born in June 1980? I was, That's yes. not weird that I knew that, is it? Is it? Yeah. I'm sure there's uh, some place... You could find that information. <laughs> um, and yet you run a massive multi-million pound corporation that has got a seriously decent reputation globally for the production of pads and more recently machine polishes and that sort of thing. How do you do it? Well, um, been blessed to have a strong support group with my family. Uh, learned a lot through a lot of people. Uh, definitely made a lot of mistakes. Mm -hmm. um, but fortunate to have a really strong team that um, uh, leads the way and I just help guide them to have the greatest results that we can possibly have. Well, because you've got a um, catchphrase, it's, it's something like make less noise, listen more or something like that, isn't it? Uh, in innovation to make life easier is our, is our, That's uh, kind of slogan. Is our yeah. slogan and it's, it's for not just for the products that the consumers use but that's also what we look at internally as well where we focus on hey there's even in the factory if there's a two-second thing that makes making the products better or quicker or whatever we want to hear about it so we really promote that both internally and it shows in the products externally as well well that's a topic we want to come back to because i know you you're you very much foster creativity and innovation just among your staff and actually encourage it even outside of kind of day-to-day -day business of things, um, which is really uh, fantastic, to be honest. We don't see that very often in, over here, certainly. Yeah, that we've been very blessed to have a lot of creative people work for us uh, and it shows in our products. And we really promote it. And because of that, people stick around because we allow them to be creative and, mm. and it's been awesome. That's cool. Well, let's go back into the mist of time. Ian, do you want to do a sound effect? <laughs> Not okay. that one. Not that one. There we go. You can tell it's a new series. Um, so uh, LC started, was technically started by your father. Correct. And uh, he bought out three companies back in 1977. That is Yes. And now one of them I seem to remember had something to do with cosmetics or like makeup blushes or something. Yes, yeah. So he played tennis with a guy uh, from the Canerchild family. And their family had these businesses for 85 years and nobody wanted to take them over. And my dad didn't really care for the job he was in at the time. It's like, oh, I'll, I'll buy them. Mm -hmm. And it was a, a cosmetic division where they made... Uh, velour powder puffs for putting on makeup. Another I, I rely on that sort of thing. <laughs> I'm actually 50. Yeah. Um, and that was, he held that business for five years and sold that off. Then we had um, a sheepskin division where he made... Um, Sheeps. No. He Skins? made vests, <laughs> made vests, slippers clothing with oh, out of sheepskin sort of thing we dream about in retirement yeah, yeah. and then uh the last was a um leather division where we made um i don't know if you guys are familiar with dice cups so for shaking yes. dice yeah. okay that's very popular in wisconsin um and pockets throughout the united states and so we had those three and shortly after um he took over milwaukee tool um it's like hey 
could you make some accessories for our polishing tools? And my dad was a big car nut. He's like, yeah, we got the sewing equipment. Let's, we let's got the do sheep. that. Yeah, <laughs> we got the materials to do it. Oh, it's a shame. So I, I was hoping it was going to be a, one day he was just holding his slipper and rubbing it against a car <laughs> and the polishing pad was invented. And that's that's the history of it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, th this story is good as well, but I think my one would have been better if we can amend it. <laughs> well, there's been some at trade shows, there's been some interesting requests for, uh, we were at On Mechanica, in the 80s and we had a customer coming from india who raced camels and As asked my dad if they made they fast. camel booties so they wanted to know <laughs> if we could make coverings for the camel's feet and he looked at and said hey that's a good camel booty <laughs> <laughs> he sure did yes <laughs> <laughs> I hope nobody would make that joke. Um, so, okay. And so we had Milwaukee coming in asking for these yeah, pads to be made. Yeah, and then it just grew from there. We started with making wool pads and wash mitts and stuff of that nature. And then gradually expanded into foam and other materials. Well, I'm going to pick up on that one because that's really interesting. So in the States, uh, we're talking, let's say, the 80s. Just keep it vague. Um, the, everything was rotary polishing and wool was the sort of number one go-to. Foam was kind of more of a, a European thing. We're talking late 80s now, I'm guessing, with foam. Yeah, yeah, about that time. And so, you know, there was early on with foam, it was mainly filter foams. So stuff that we would be using for furnaces and, and the like. And that's what was available, but it wasn't strong enough to withstand doing that. So we started doing some research and found some foams out of Europe that could withstand it. Reticulated start, foams. Um, or were they later? They were later. I just uh, wanted to say the word reticulated. Yeah, foams. yeah. It was, was non-reticulated, but, you know, there's advantages and disadvantages of both. But, um, but yeah, we, we brought them in and, and uh, had great success selling them. Cool. Cool. Um, and one thing that kind of strikes me is your, in my head at least, Lake Country is known for foam, bringing, bringing foam to the kind of the mass market. Meguiar's is known for bringing microfiber to the mass market. They're kind of your two champion side of things. But then you've also bought a lot of microfiber pads. And more recently, we've seen, you know, quite a lot of development of the microfibers. Um, where do you feel in terms of pad technology, the greatest headroom is for development? Because as I say, you bought out microfibers and revised them. Foams have been regularly revised. Mm. Where, where do, you, do you feel that there's, you know, wool, for example? I mean, we've already had a comeback with wool with the whole short wool pads for DA use. Mm. What's, what's, what do you think is the next big thing for pads? I think you're going to start to see um, different types of materials that are used. So um, I think you're going to see more types of knitted goods that are capable for rotary um, that don't shed. Mm -hmm. um, okay. As well as stuff that's more aggressive but can handle a DA application, uh, application or uh, or a gear-driven application. I think that's where you're going to see the next line of innovation from a material standpoint. Well, that's interesting. Well, you heard it here first. <laughs> when it comes to the, the foam development, I, the one thing that sticks in my head slightly is the Rupert has brought out the Bigfoot. They brought out the LHR 50. Well, they brought out the 21 first, didn't they? Mm -hmm. 21 first. And then, yeah. Oh, they brought out... They had a six mil through originally, didn't they? And then that's when they moved on to the, the, to the long throw Bigfoot range. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. And it was because the thing I remember when it was happening because a lot of the pads were exploding when they're on there. Yep. And and you're saying even even the you know some of the early CCS stuff was was also suffering from it. But you guys figured a way around it pretty much first with the HDO thing, and the whole HDO range came out because of its ability to withstand the abuse of a of a fifteen or twenty one mil throw DA. Yeah, yeah. For for us, um, in our history of making pads, you know, we were the first ones to bring European foams into the U.S. market because we saw the advantage of them compared to what was available. When long throw polishers came out, clearly pads were blowing up like crazy. Mm. People didn't really understand why. Well, with our history, we were able to figure that fairly quickly, and we came out with the first HD pads, which were dual layer material, which could help withstand the rigors of a long throw polisher um, 
mainly from a heat perspective, but mm -hmm. because of the length that it's moving, um, it really uh, wears a pad out very quickly. Um, that had an impact, but it wasn't where it needed to be. And a year and a half later, we came out with the HDL pads, which are now commonplace in the market. Yeah, yeah, that formed that place. Well, let's go back a little bit to you. So, um, as we say, born in 1980, and then you were doing your grad degree in Dallas in sports science. God, I really sound very pervy here, don't I? Um, <laughs> in sports science and business. So you, it was a kind of an MBA, wasn't it? Yes, it was an MBA. I had played um, tennis through high school and in college. Mm -hmm. um, and so I wanted to stay in the sports industry. Um, so I pursued that. Um, so I got my MBA with the emphasis on the business side of the sports industry. Got to um, do some work for a professional rodeo. I got to work for FC Dallas at Major League Soccer um, and some other amateur uh, sporting groups. Um, so what were you doing for the professional rodeo? I think we, I think we, <laughs> we glossed over a little, quite an important story. <laughs> I, I, I had my notes to come back to that. Yeah, <laughs> so... Um, for me, luckily I wasn't involved with the animals, but per se, but, um, before and after the show, there was an outside area that had vendors, a concert that people would go to. So I was in charge of getting the vendors, getting the tents, getting the, the talent, working with the city, making sure there's bathrooms, all mm. that fun stuff. I have to admit, rodeo, we don't realize quite what a big deal it is because I, I was out, I remember I was a seven or eight-year-old went to a rodeo in Houston. Yep, that's a big spot. And it was it was pretty wild. Mm -hmm. And uh, at the end, they had a pig with a $50 note round its neck. And we were kind of, all the kids were put into the ring to chase round it. And I thought this was a well of time. I was a very feral child, to be fair. <laughs> uh, and I basically, I was also bigger than all of the other ones, and better nourished, should we say. Um, so I grabbed the pig and sat on it. And then this rotund little girl grabbed the, the money and then won the competition so I was absolutely furious and the only way they could mollify me was saying allow me to go in the back of a pickup truck and then they drove through I'm going to call it the desert because it was sandy and there was nothing there sure. shooting bullfrogs and just seeing exploding exploding big frogs basically at night with spotlights and I just think it was one of the most fun things that you could ever do as a seven-year-old yeah that was, sounds awesome yeah it was, it was a giggle they didn't let me drive yeah apart from that it's absolute fun um anyway so uh, away from exploding uh, amphibians or reptiles amphibians I don't know. I think they're amphibians. Um, we are now looking at you coming back into the field, and you've done. You've been down in Dallas. Everything was great. And you, were you in, did you ask to come back? Were you asked to come back? It was kind of a time in my life I was transitioning. Um, a lot of my friends were getting married. I wasn't ready for that kind of thing, and uh, I got an opportunity to go back to the family business and work on the marketing side of the business, build their first website, all that kind of stuff. Wow. So right at that kind of, that was 2006-ish, wasn't it? Yeah. And yep. so you went back to work and you kind of, by the sounds of it, you went around the different departments. So you got your head around, you know, the marketing and then the business side and you really were handy on the tools sort of thing. You were kind of familiar with that side of things. Yeah. I mean, I grew up as a kid. I was there, uh, you know, cleaning bathrooms to, I could Used run to a lot of- Summer work there. And yeah. Summer work and I could run a lot of the equipment. So- um, you know, I knew the manufacturing side of the business, but I didn't have any experience with the office side. So came back, did marketing for a few years, then, um, went back into operations, but led them help to get, you know, more efficient processes and all that fun stuff. Oh, I, I do like operations. Management. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then, um, after doing that for about four years, I took over as, so my dad was, he actually ran the operations day to day. And we had an outside person from the family that was the president of the company. Um, when he retired, I took over as president at that time. And that was in uh, 2015. 2015. 2014. 2014. So that's six, seven, eight, nine years ago. Yep. So you would have been early thirties? Yeah. Crikey, that yeah. must have been quite intimidating. Or, or did it, was it like natural? Was it just like a glove for you? Um, no, it was, for me, it was something like I knew that it was, I needed to step up and do it. But I was fortunate that um, I got involved with some other um, 
business owner groups mm-hmm. that were similar in size as us at the same time. We had similar issues that I had a group of peers that I could, you know, they were 10, 15 years older than me. So mm-hmm. they may have experienced some things that I hadn't yet, yeah. but I could bring a younger perspective a bit more to, energy. Yeah. to some of the things that they were experiencing. So it worked out really good. And I still talk to half a dozen of those today and we meet regularly. So it's been awesome to have that kind of support group. That's cool. Well, I mean, because another awesome side to quote you that I've seen is, and I think we first came across this with uh, Mr. Patterson, wasn't it? Is about the, you positively encourage employees to have kind of side games, side projects, side ventures Mm -hmm. that are kind of innovative. And sometimes they're linking with LC, sometimes they're completely unrelated. Um, and actually fostering that creativity. And you were talking earlier, you mentioned how it kind of helps with retentioners and people are staying around for longer because they love being able to work there and and exist in a kind of more wholesome way, should we say? Yeah, I encourage people that, hey, if I can help you do whatever you want to do outside, uh, it could be automotive to our business, it could be something totally separate, but I understand that, hey, if I force you to do your job all the time, it's not, you're not going to enjoy it. It's not going to be fun. And I encourage people to be creative, try new things, come up with new ideas. I'm My door is always open and bring them to me. And like a great example is the tool. Mm. Um, our engineer who's been with us for 30 years, um, he has come up with a lot of great ideas, including the System 4000 pad washer. Well, he's an aeronautical engineer or something? He's an aeronautical yeah. engineer, yes. He has. He's a certified FAA mechanic, so it's always nice flying with him. He's got the power <laughs> to any aircraft. He can shut it down. That's kind of that's how well, powerful he, he is. When he's worried, yeah. then, then you're in an aircraft. Well, most of the time... <laughs> Yes. He's worried that it's a problem. So, but um, no, and he came to me literally with a block of wood with, you know, those plastic gears you would have as a kid Mm -hmm. and a uh, math formula. And he goes, "Uh, Jay, are you interested in making a polisher? I said, hey, there's flax group has, they've been doing it for 60, Mm -hmm. 70 years plus. No, you know, they're, they're good. I think as well what if it could do multiple strokes in one? And I was like, well, now I'm interested. Mm. You know, I was naive on how much work <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> goes into it at that point. But uh, um, yeah, so. What year was that that, that you first been, came to with the idea? That would have been, that's 27. Let's see, we came out the... 2051E came out in 2020. So that would have 2016. Yeah. So we first heard about it in about 2018. 2018. So we it was already two years old when there was the first sort of, oh, this might be the, con- the, yeah. con- the concept we launched at Auto Mechanica in 2018. Mm, and it yeah. was. It was a massive prick tease because every, every year is like, oh, it's going to come out. It's oh, going to come out. It's going to come out. Well, the again, this was me being naive and what goes into it. I know a lot more now. Mm-hmm. I thought we were a lot farther along when we launched it. <laughs> when he presented you with a block of wood. Yes. Yeah. Uh, just got to paint it. It's ready to go. Uh, we, we, had a, we had a usable sample, um, but we were just, but what was great about that show and, and SEMA that year was um, obviously on Mechanica was just crazy. Mm-hmm. I mean, we launched that video. We had more hits on that video in a week than we had on videos that were up for seven years. In fairness, 5,000 of those were probably me trying to garner <laughs> the information off so we could write an article about it. And it, it was great. We had, we had um, distributors in countries that weren't planning to come to the show, put it on their forums and say, hey, should we find out more? Flew in just to see this tool. I mean, it was crazy. And then, um, but it was great because we got a lot of great feedback from uh, potential distributors at that show and even more at SEMA, which was good and bad. Mm-hmm. Um, it was good because it helped um, get the 51E where it is, uh, but it also pushed it back a little bit because there were some things we needed to tweak mm. to be able to do that. But the feedback was substantial on the capabilities. And we've obviously learned a lot since then. 
Well, innovation is something that seems to run through the thread because we've got the pad washers. Yep. So pad washers were hilarious. I was at a day uh, with Kelly down in Kent. And uh, if you look from a distance and you don't use one, and you look at the price and what it is, effectively a bucket with some clever bazootics in it, you think that's an awful lot of money for cleaning pads. I do it just with you know a, a, a claw or some air gun or whatever, however yeah. you, your method is. And we were at a training session with the PVD guys, and a, a lot of them were equally as cynical. And Kelly just demonstrated it and got them to do it. And they were, it was like a, hell, this actually really works kind of thing. And I think John, either uh, one of the disties you got in the UK, sold out pretty much that day. I was, as far as I could see, there were messages and offers of sexual favors to get the last one and stuff like that, which of course it was John. So that worked. Yeah. And the, um, you know, just the, the pure kind of originality of it. And I appreciate that particular model was the 5,000, which is a, a development of the 3,000 or have I got my numbers mixed up? Yeah, so the... We had the Snappy Clean was the original, which actually you would plug in. There was a motor to that one. Mm -hmm. And then the next model was the System 2000, which was extremely successful. But um, the way the water wheel worked, it only worked on rotary. And at that time when it was developed, you only needed rotary. You only need yeah. rotary. And it was the first um, pad washer that was ever made that didn't need um, a motor. Mm -hmm. You just used the polisher as the motor and it was extremely successful. Then we came out with the 3000 um, right before the, um, where the Porter cable and your, your small DAs mm. had just come out um, before the long throw polishers. And uh, it allowed it to do it. It had some shortcomings. Um, and then we saw those shortcomings, fixed those, and came out with the 4,000. Um, and obviously, that's been very successful for yeah. us. Yeah, no, it's very cool. And so then that takes us back to the UDOS. And um, so development started 2017-ish. You were saying 2016-17. Yep. And there are lots of iterations. And the thing is, so when it came out, we, in fact, Ian was one of the very first in the UK to have a play with it. Mm -hmm. um, what were your initial impressions on it? It was a fantastic achievement for a company that had never built a polisher before. Mm. You know, I, I, I looked, I looked at the all the billet aluminium and everything on it, and the overall design, and it kind of boggles that for a company that's never built something of that style before, right. it's an incredible achievement. Obviously, it wasn't perfect at that yep. point; it was the first one in the UK, and since then, you've been fiddling it and changing it mm -hmm. and sort of imagining a. A V2 of that's going to be coming out at some point, along yep. with some other things that are probably don't mention it till all the stock of the V1 sold. But just just to have that kind of thought in the first place, and have the have the ability and kind of the faith to run through with the idea from start to finish to production to getting it out there to flogging it on the open market, really impressive. Yeah. Real achievement, and it, it it was that development of it. And when we first got it, I mean, what I was struck by is quality. Mm -hmm. You know, because you've got the Rupes and you've got the Flex; those right. are the kind of the bastions of quality. And then you've got all the kind of rebranded Chinese ones coming in, and they're cheap, right. fair enough, but they tend to vibrate, tend to make a lot of noise, tend to you know not last forever. Right. Probably okay for most, but right. you'd managed going in there, and you weren't shooting with the Chinese ones; you were shooting straight for Flex and Rupes, and saying, "No, we're not going to match you on your own game. We're going to match you, and then beat you in terms of functionality." Mm -hmm. And yet there are some shortcomings in terms of, you know, the weight and the heat and it, it's something to get used to, but yeah. that's the point of a V1. It's the first one that's right. got to market. And I imagine there must've been 30, 40 prototypes before you got to that stage. There was, yeah. I mean, there was a lot of talk on, I think the hardest thing in the whole process was the balancing. Mm. So when you look at any tool in the market, it's got one function. So you just have to balance it for one function. We have five on the first tool. Yeah. So to be able to balance it as equally as you possibly can through five was nobody's ever done it before. And we were fortunate enough to just find the right engineer that um, had worked for GE and he helped to balance an MRI machine. So a 20,000 pound magnet going around doesn't want to torpedo through a hospital. Um, well, to be fair, if they're in there, they're already sick anyway. So <laughs> in the right place. <laughs> yeah. I don't think it's right. a blessing. <laughs> and after that, he worked for a company that did stuff for the Navy and nuclear submarines. So okay. and he was a car guy and said, well, 
That's I could close. I, I yeah. could probably balance this for you. Yeah. Sure enough. That's good. Cool. The, is it the, the the most difficult part of the balancing for that for me would actually seem like it's the rotary rather than the um, the, the sort of adaptable throws because that that's one point that has to be absolutely dead central every time. And if you've got other things moving around it, then that make the, the rotary is the thing that actually makes that more complicated in my in my mind. That's fair to say. That's what I would have thought too. Rotary's pretty. The hardest part about rotary is getting it home. Mm-hmm. So once it's home, you're locked yeah. in. The hardest part about balancing it has to do more with the how much variation and distance you have. So if you go from rotary to 21 millimeters in the U.S., that's mm-hmm. roughly one inch. That's quite a large span that you need to figure out how to balance. Mm-hmm. So that's where the, the challenge came in is the more variation you have from the, the, the two least, extremes. Least, yeah. Yes, your two extremes, correct. So when you open up the bottom, and I've done this, it's probably invalidated validated warranty, but it wasn't my order, so it's fine. <laughs> and you look at how the gearbox works, yeah. it's really clever. I originally thought you were using something like a sort of dual mass flywheel style thing with a, a movable weight, but when you change it into the different modes, so you've got sanding mode, you've got the 3P modes, and then you've got the R mode for the, mm-hmm. for the rotary. Um, it, it, basically, if you imagine a counterweight going around, when you extend, when you change the mode, the counterweight kind of moves in and out, and obviously F equals MA, so it's the moment of the weight and how far away it is from the central pivot. And then that in its own is a really kind of neat little mechanism. And then that mechanism itself has to spin around at God knows how many thousand RPM as well and maintain kind of solidity as well as being easily adaptable with the collar system. Right. That is... I wish you'd done like a, a acrylic transparent mock-up version of it so that you can see how all those gears work. That's a really good idea, actually. For Auto Mechanica, we'll not do that. Yes, there we go. Yes, and I'll only you. take a small cut. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then you can actually see, and people go, oh, it's big and it's heavy and all this. And you say, well, look inside it, and then you're going to realize why. And actually, it's a masterpiece of packaging, and you know it can only get better. Well, you, you think when you see a, a, a foam pad that's just off-center by a couple of millimeters, how much that throws extra vibration into it. Mm. Now you times that by a hundred for the extra weight of this counterweight. Yeah, in you there. steal. Yeah, and you've got such minimal tolerances to to deal with. That's you know that's, that's where the engineering comes mm, yes, into it. It's very tight tolerances, and you also have to look at the height difference between where the spindle is and where the pad, mm-hmm. the, not only the backing plate, but the pad, because that also affects your vibration. And then on the basis that loads of people, of course, are going to go and fit their own non-official backing plate or non-official pads. And so you've got to have the ability that, the, the what do you call them? Not the threshold, what's the word? Margin of error to allow for somebody to put on yeah. a silly pad. I mean, the backing plate's not so much of an issue simply for the fact that you would have to literally build your own backing plate for it to work on there. And that's, obviously done for balancing purposes mm-hmm. but you know we take into account obviously the uh, udo pad line is developed for your ultimate balance we understand that hey there's other pads you can use on it but they could affect the vibration of the tool mm-hmm. if you're not using them yeah absolutely and, and the other thing uh, finally, before we do too much Udo's praising, but is the um, getting a something you've designed and obviously built, you know, the, the prototypes and everything in the States into mass production in order to send thousands of them around the world. And I've got a bit of a background in kind of when you prototype something and you've got hours and hours to spend on it, you balance it perfect. As soon as that goes off to be, you know, made by a completely, you know, different sort of factory that mm-hmm. specialise in these sort of things, getting those them to maintain the quality and the tolerances is nigh on impossible. That must have been a serious management thing because I'm guessing the skills required or the equipment required to build pads is obviously not the same required to build polishing machines so you've got a whole different expertise to look into there's there's a little bit of a difference Mm. but you have to maintain your tolerances no matter what there's just more parts in a tool than in a pad (laughs) so by having tight tolerances across the board you you can maintain it Uh, there's just you know in a pad there's a lot fewer Mm. so uh, when they get all get stacked up that's what you have when you get some made, you see, okay, can they all be on the high side or can they all be on the low side or they just have to be in between? If they're all on the high side, you can find problems or if they're all on the mm-hmm. low side, you can find problems too. Yeah, it's got to be within that zone. Yeah. It? yeah. And all this has to be for sale for under $1,000 because that's what people have come to. But that's, that's kind of the ceiling for what people will pay for a 
for a polisher, even if it is 1,500 quid's worth of polishers in a $1,000 package. Yeah, I mean... Switching currencies there. Sorry, I'm trying to adapt. <laughs> no, that's... that's you haven't adapted since the late 90s. <laughs> so, I mean, what I was going to do is I'd try and push you here for a bit of kind of in, insider knowledge because we know there are things happening. We've already, by the uh, sounds of it, this was the official announcement of the 51E Mark II. Um, <laughs> what else have you got in the pipeline that you can talk about? Bear in mind, this will probably go out, you know, in a couple of years. Well, I'll tell you what, we'll let them think about that and we're going to have a break. Happy days. Auto Mechanica 2023, widely known as the most important trade show for the UK automotive industry, with over 500 leading exhibitors taking part. It's on at the NEC in Birmingham between the 6th and 8th of June, and brand new for 2023, we have a dedicated detailing area as well as the Detailing Live Hub. Industry Educators UK Detailing Academy are hosting practical demonstrations, manufacturer showcases, and answering all of your detailing-related questions. So visit the Auto Mechanica Birmingham website today to book your free ticket. And we're back here with Jay Schneider of Lake Country, who has flown in especially for our podcast here. I want to say that. It's not true. Yes, the expenses is. are going to be terrible. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so there are a couple of things I want to cover in part two. Uh, the first of all is product development. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm making quite strong eye contact here. Obviously, built for radio, you can't see it. But the thing is, and we have this with all manufacturers, they like to keep things under the, under the chest before it comes out. Yes. And um, I, you know, off, off, off mic, we've talked and we know various things coming. So um, why don't you start off with your opening gambit? What, what can we expect to see in 2023 from LC? Uh, you're going to see a lot more new products coming out this year. Um, I will say a new tool will be coming out this year. Mm -hmm. I will not provide any more details, but I think everyone will be very happy with what it is. Um, and it came about from a lot of feedback from the 51E. So this tool, is it, uh, it's a polishing machine? It's a polishing machine. It's a polishing machine. It's got multiple strokes. It's got multiple strokes. Do you, is it powered by electricity? Yes. Is it powered by electricity connected to a wall or connected to a battery? Wall. Wall power. He's got one of these guess who things in front yeah, of him, just, just flipping, flipping down options for machines as he goes. <laughs> if, if you want to also say into the microphone, there's not going to be any new polishers coming out this year, then we can edit that in afterwards if the situation <laughs> changes. <laughs> yeah, that's the point, because uh, the uh, uh, original Udos went through quite a lot of iterations, so there were quite a few full starts where we were promised it, and it, and it, and it was like, oh, crap, we've actually got to develop this a yeah. bit more. So are you, hand on heart, are you promising to deliver a, uh, a machine in 2023? Yes. There we go. Got it. Sorted. Legally binding them. Uh, and uh, in terms of other products, obviously last year you brought out the torch, which is kind of cool. Do we call it a torch, a lamp? I mean, it is a torch, but... Yes. No? We call it... Call it Simon if you want. Hard desires. It's, uh, <laughs> depending on the market, they all have different names. Oh, that's fair. And same yeah. with polishing pads. Some call them sponges, some call them... A luminary pads. vision device. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> a full-spectrum LED battery powered device. Awesome. Okay, Koki. And pad in pad-wise? Yeah. Pad. Pad-wise, yes. We are working on um, uh, a line um, that will be for the Marine. For the Marine, like the, the soldiers? Yeah. It'll be, uh, yes, the soldiers. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be bulletproof, it's yes. camouflage. Yes. yes. Probably yes. you never find it outside. Yeah. Yes. No, you'll you'll see some uh, new innovations on, in the Marine. Um, so if it's Marine, it's going it's to be wool pad then, I guess, if it's Marine. Waterproof. Yeah, a, a variety of materials. Oh, I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> Is it? Does it float? So when it flies off, you can still get it back afterwards out of the, out of the water? Why are you polishing in the water? It's amazing he survived this far. Yeah. <laughs> Hell, I get wobbly with, with the pad washer in the box. With yeah. the pad water. Um, Very talented. Electricity and water. <laughs> Could be interesting. I like to watch that video. Yeah, actually. He thinks he's going to become a superhero yeah. from that experience. So all that's going to happen is going to yeah. die. Um, but, uh, okay. And any other gadgets? Because obviously you, you do, you're good at your... I call, gadgets almost cheapens it. Detailing... Um, Let, let's look back at some of the the, um, the historical gadgets that obviously have come up because my the first thing I ever bought that was Lake Country was the VRG adapter kit. 
Okay. So you get because the, the the VRG uh, came with a five six six. It's five and a half inch five, plate. Yeah. The uh, the yep. oddball useless of all yeah. backing plates. And the great thing was at the time I also I'm probably one of the only people in the UK to actually have a cyclo polisher as well, sure. which had the uh, the four inch pads yep. and the VRG then could be adapted to fit those four inch pads. So I effectively had a forced action spot machine. It was fantastic. Nice. nice. You've got have you got like a little Q branch somewhere within within the factory that sort of makes these uh, these little gadgets you know to, yeah skunk works Saturday afternoon club maybe, yeah. maybe a polisher with a missile firing in it or yeah. like a puts cow chops behind so yeah. in case you followed I would love <laughs> to find the polisher that yeah. <laughs> so if you guys find it or if we I'll let you know when we come I, out I, with I'm it, pretty yeah. good with explosives yeah. so I'll do that bit there's one scratch just not coming yeah. so I know it's gone insurance <laughs> yeah. will cover that yeah. <laughs> okay no uh, no we've been blessed with some individuals that are very creative and um, have many many years in the trades and talk to a lot of people and look for those um shortcomings of products in the industry and our record speaks for ourselves. Mm -hmm. I mean, we have over 70 patents worldwide um, in buffing and polishing products. And so there's more coming. It's Um, it's amazing how the sort of the, the aftermarket um, additions are growing in popularity so much over the last few years. We were talking uh, the other day to a chap in, um, uh, Germany that hopefully we're going to be getting on a podcast soon called Felix who runs uh, APS and he's started making a lot of little adaption pieces for the Flex PXE mm-hmm. and he's actually gone to the, the the lengths of going to Flex getting them to try it out and amazingly Flex turned around and gone yeah actually yeah, that's fine you can you can you make make those don't worry about the, our patents on it or anything like that because you're doing a good job of it so there's there's a massive market for slight improvements incremental um incremental gains just from things you can now 3d print yourself effectively yeah yeah no for sure and we do get a lot of uh submissions for product ideas and um some of them are worth exploring more others is that mostly internal um no we get external uh ideas so my emails do get through (laughs) but what i do is you know sometimes i'll review it they may have limited scope of the market compared to my experience. So if it's not a product for Lake Country, I will help them in whatever way. If it's if they think it's something that they can patent, I will help yeah. aid them in getting going through that process since I've gone through it multiple times. It could be, hey, this isn't a product for me. Maybe you should talk to this company or that company that that's more in their wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. So I love innovation, even if it's not right for Lake Country. I will help those innovators get on a path to their hopes and dreams. It's when they get in contact. Say, I want a pad that's specifically this color because that's my company color. It's like I'm not going to mass produce that. That's not going to help me. Well, I will if you have the volume. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Most of the case times they don't, though, unfortunately. Well, actually, that brings up an interesting topic, which is the OEM white label market. And what a lot of people don't realize is that uh, they may well have used LC pads without realizing there were LC pads because 70% or so of the business is is white white label work. So you work with other manufacturers of other products and basically provide them with your expertise about pads, just like you were you know, offloading ideas that aren't in, in your wheelhouse to companies that are better better suited for it. Right. You know, like I had mentioned earlier with Milwaukee Tool, we work with a lot of tool manufacturers. We work with uh, polished companies. Um, we work with um, OEMs, uh, car manufacturers. So our products are used on the line That's in, cool. in, in the U.S. on multiple different types of vehicles. And, um, yeah, so we work with all up and down uh, from, you know, products or wool pads are used on making bathtubs, polishing bathtubs to marble marble countertops to you wow. name it. And so uh, we've seen a lot and we've developed a lot <laughs> we've of We've been over a lot of bathtubs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Well, um, looking forward now, um, we have, we're, we're obviously at the kind of, I'd like to say we're at the beginning of the year. We're not quite, we're well into it now, but um, the show season. Um, for UK and Europe, there's lots of bits and bobs coming up, aren't there? Do you want to tell us kind of where we can come and visit you this year? 
I'm not the best person to answer that question, <laughs> but I know we'll be um, in the UK with Waxstock. Um, there's a boat detailing show that we'll be a part of. I know we'll be in Germany, uh, Decon, Decon, yeah, um, France, um, detailing show and tour. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, we're going to be at a lot of places and um, also visiting and working with our distributors in those countries too, uh, outside of those that we may be attending as well. Uh, look for David and go to our website. Our website will have all of those shows that we're attending and, and our location. Well, it's good advice. Always keep an eye out for David, just in case. He yeah. Can, he comes up from behind sometimes. He lets it. He is, he is <laughs> in fact, a sneaky in, fella. in the room. Crying. There's usually blue lights around him. <laughs> <laughs> and the handcuffs. Um, <laughs> um, so we've done the show side. So I think it is time now that we do our 10 ironically named quick fire questions. Sure. So I'm just going to get my list out because I can't remember them despite doing this for God knows how many years. Four uh, seasons. Four seasons. Four seasons. Doing. Four seasons. Actually, three, three seasons of the, uh, the quick questions. So we're not, not quite a pizza then. No. Um, so or easy one to kick off with. Yeah. <laughs> um, what's your current car? I imagine you have more than one. I mean, you run a big multi-million pound company. Surely you've got lots of cool cars. I personally don't have a lot of cool cars, but I don't have time. I've got a wife and two daughters and two dogs they keep me busy but uh, we will make bad choices <laughs> but uh yeah no i'm i have a 2016 jeep grand cherokee overland that i enjoy the overland so that's one that's optimized for actual kind of off-roading whereas in the uk it's just a spec level yeah this it, it can do that um and i i it gets me from a to b and i what's nice is uh we have a nice garage at, at the factory so i can clean it up and Try new stuff on it. So, <laughs> do, you have, do you have a detail bay at the factory that everyone can use? Yeah, we do. Yeah. We do. We, we open it up to all employees. Um, but we've had uh, trainings there with Mike Phillips and, and other people that you would know. To we've had uh, Ring Brothers car mm -hmm. in our facility that we've detailed and done stuff with. Um, cleaned it up for that that owner for show that he was doing. Um, and, um, yeah, it's just a great facility that we can do. We can run any type of equipment. We can heat it up, cool it down so we can simulate the environment that our, um, that the end user in their market would be in. Because That's if it's hot and humid, mm -hmm. the, the pads are going to be affected differently than if it's. How, how do you make it hot and humid? Do you just get Mike Phillips up in Florida? <laughs> No, we have a heater in there, so we really <laughs> we'll crank the heat way up, so it gets it. And then we don't just look at it; we have devices that monitor it, mo yeah. monitor the depth of scratch before and after, gloss before and after, time trials, um, so and heat. So we we scientifically do a lot of things, not just oh yeah, it looks better. So because you're in now, I'm going to go to try and say this right: Okinawa Walk. No, Okinawa Walk. Okinawa Walk. 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 A Wookiee. I love it. We have a lot of uh, Native American um, history in the state of Wisconsin, so it's actually pronounced Oconomowoc. Oconomowoc. Yep. Is that like how Milwaukee's pronounced Milwaukee? Some people will say it that way. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm quoting from Wayne's World here. That, that, that's my entire knowledge. Of <laughs> yeah, we're located about a half hour west of Milwaukee. Gotcha. And uh, it's in Wisconsin, of course. Yep. So what's your climate? What, how hot does it get? How cold does it get? Um, let's see. This time of year, we're typically in the teens Fahrenheit, so below zero. Yeah. I was about to say, you're going to quote him like feet of snow or something. <laughs> yeah. Well, it depends. We're in the southern part of the state. Uh, northern part of the state gets significantly more snow and colder weather mm -hmm. um, than uh, where we're located. So... But yeah, we'll we'll range anywhere from on the really cold end, like negative ten Fahrenheit, to we can go all the way up to like hundred degrees Fahrenheit. So we can really have the gamut throughout the year. We need to find somebody who can translate Fahrenheit into um, into metric. What is a hundred degrees Fahrenheit? That I think that's about forty degrees, something like that. Yeah. Blimey. Oh yeah, because if you're over hundred, then you've got a fever, haven't you? Yeah. Oh, I'm being not. We've got uh, Dave in the background here who is old <laughs> enough to remember Fahrenheit, so he's he's translated that. Minus 25 is on the other side. 
That's really cold. Yeah, it is. And David's been there for it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's pretty tough. He's from Milton Keynes. Um, so uh, moving on, these really quick fire questions. Yeah. Uh, I'm guessing a Grand Cherokee, even the Overland Edition, is probably not your all-time dream car. No. What might that be? You know, that's a great question. There's just so like, there's just so many cool cars out there. I mean, I know Impressors, Legacies, Outbacks, Foresters. Really <laughs> difficult. Yeah, it is. It's nice if you start from the bottom and work up. <laughs> I've, I've, I've always uh, been a fan of Porsches. So uh, my dad has a, a 2006 Carrera 4S. 2006. That's gonna be a 996. Uh, no. 997. Uh, yes. Yes. Yeah. Round headlights. Yes. Yep. And so, um, yeah, I mean... Have you asked him about his IMS, Barry? <laughs> I'm sure it'll be mine someday, so I look forward to, to driving. <laughs> well, make sure he does the engine rebuild. Yeah, right, 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 exactly. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, I, I just, uh, you know, I still love gas, so I'm not into the electric cars. I know it's the big thing right mm -hmm. now, but... You can't get excited about electric cars. They just don't sound tough and mean. You no. know, when you hear or nothing, it doesn't get you fired up. Like you it. can't wake the neighbors. No. I, to be fair, I have a problem even with ice or internal combustion engine because when, when they've got the fake noise being piped through you, I want to hear when, when my cam belt snaps, I want to hear those valves bending in, in the car. I don't want to be electronically synthesized. Yes, yes. I mean, literally across the street from us is one of the largest... Harley Davidson um, distributors in the country, mm -hmm. and so we hear a lot of Ooh, big, big twins and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So nice, that's pretty cool. So, um, what was the first car you ever detailed? And I appreciate you're not obviously a, a, a detailer by trade, but yep. there must be a car that you kind of stands in your memory as one that you started to clean with some serious ferocity. Yeah, it's probably my first car, which was a '95. Ford Escort GT. Now, the, the interesting thing here is your Ford Escort is different from our mm, Ford Escort. Yes. So it's a very different, it's actually a bigger car because you call it a subcompact? This would have, This was a two-door, um, two-door, um, not a hatchback, just a regular back. Um, it looked like a, is that the one at the front? looks kind of like a Fox body Mustang if you've drank a lot. Yes. Yep. 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 And uh, it was... Um, yeah, it was white. It was a piece, but it was uh, <laughs> like there was no rear ejection for the back hatch. So the I could pull the key straight out of the ignition and I'd give the key to them so they could pop the back and they'd give me the key and the car's still running, you know. So it's a car for people with friends. Yes, yeah. exactly, exactly. But no, that was, you know, it was my first car. I kept it up and, and uh, learned a lot on that car. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. So... Um, Oh, it's a slightly personal question. Don't worry. There are, there are actually there are lots of people here around <laughs> this table, as you've probably heard now and then. Um, but um, how many buckets do you like to use? Two. One for washing, one for cleaning pads. Okay. Okay. That's interesting. That's that's fewer than I thought. I thought you're gonna have a, you're gonna be our, our bucket happy people. Yeah. No. Okay. Um, but no, it's this a massive, massive, super-sized bucket. We, we, <laughs> we, we never say how big this bucket has to be. It's actually more like a bin, like a dustbin. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, now this is one that's going to be contentious uh, for yourself. Uh, do you prefer a rotary action or a DA? Yes. Okay. Now, yeah. for, for my and experience, you can have that choice with yes. just this one polisher. <laughs> <Yeah. probably. laughs> no, uh, in all honesty, there's a place for both, but most of the time I use DA. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, another deeply personal question. Uh, do you like to use wax or a coating? Wax. Yeah, old school. Yeah, old school. Proper job. Um, Valley, a relevant question. Ferrari or Porsche? I think we already know the answer. Yes, Porsche. Yeah. Okay, more important question. Serious question. Yeah. Note the ferocity of my beard yes. here. Um, Subaru or Mitsubishi? Uh, well, the answer for me is very easy, and that's Subaru. Because we, uh... He lives. Oh. <laughs> We actually, our pads are used on the line at the Subaru plant in, in oh, the Indiana. States. Yep. Awesome. Yep. We've, we've so got to do it. It's something that we've been wanting to do is come over to America for, you know, uh, Vegas for the, the SEMA show and all the rest of it. But I've always been a bit reticent. But so, you know, the guys at Indiana Subaru plant. So we work through the distributor. We've been in there. We, so you typically in all those plants, you have a guy that has access to sell product in there. Yeah. And, um, you have to take them out for dinner a lot. 
<laughs> no, actually, they come to us because of our technical knowledge. We'll work with the people on the line and we solve their problem. And that's how we get the business. So. <laughs> Ian's going to make a joke here about that problem. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> no, so too easy. Cool. It's too easy. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, so that's the official announcement. Pro Detailer will be coming to America at some point. Once we can find out how to fund it, we will be going there to the Indiana Subaru factory. Woo! Um, another question. Oh, this is really awkward. Uh, flex or repairs? We have to keep it consistent between shares. Sure. Well, due to the people in the room, I have to definitely go with flex. <laughs> <laughs> the irony is here, we have an ex-flex man, we have an ex-rupers man <laughs> staring at each other. That, that's, that's basically true. a double kick today. Because yeah. of the people in the room, it's definitely not going to be yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, Koki. So uh, we are now on our final question. And this one kind of, I always feel, kind of reveals if, if someone's got a life, um, frankly. Sunday drive or Sunday detail? Um, with the family, it's Sunday drive. I uh, try to. You're that's a bit the one if it wasn't. Come on, kids, watch me. La polish last, a car. Uh, uh, it's the one day a week I really try to spend with the family. Mm hmm. But you can get around that by training your two girls to detail your car for you on a Sunday, really. It's, it's, it's all well, to be honest with you, they training. love coming to work and going to the wash bay and help me clean the car, wash the car. So You're I'll take that one. Yeah. Not yet. How, how, how old are we talking? Nine and seven. Okay, a little bit young then yeah. for picking up a free spinning machine. Yeah, right. <laughs> but I'll take, I'll take the help on washing it. Yeah. 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 Well, sills. It's not like today's a Sunday. You've managed to run to the other side of the world. Yeah, so it's time. a little different. Yeah. <laughs> cool. All right then, Jake. Well, look, thank you so much for coming all the way over from the United States for our podcast. It's really very much appreciated. Oh, I very thankful that you had us so, on. While you're over here, if you yeah. want to go somewhere else, that's fine. Yeah, we won't yeah. take offense. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's very kind of you to let me do that. that. <laughs> We're very liberal. <laughs> Marvelous. Okay, well, I'm sure there'll be another opportunity uh, and have you on the podcast again soon. But for now, it is goodbye from me. Goodbye from me. Thank you. Appreciate it. Mm -hmm.